Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show. Hello and welcome to the Dash. My name is Dawn Wright Oliveris, and my co-host Peter Mingles is here this fine evening. And um, well, we have a really spectacular guest. So this this whole week, you know, everybody knows what's coming up is the Super Bowl. And yesterday, Peter just had this fantastic idea, and he shot me a text as he's hopping on a plane, and he says, we got to do the Super Bowl this week. And so it just so happens that Peter has a good friend who just so happens to have been to the Super Bowl a couple times. So, Peter, why don't you introduce our guest? Absolutely. Well, thank you, Don. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Um, my name is Peter, and I appreciate you being here, taking your time and your attention out. And I'm going to start disconnecting some of my phones, Don, because I forgot to do that before this call, uh, before this show. I think we call it a show here. <laughs> and uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for being here. A couple of things, real quick. As we get started on this, um, we were planning, as we do every week, of what is our theme for the week. And we talked about your economy previously, and we talked about you creating your own utopia. And this week is Super Bowl week. And I figured, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we tied in our radio show to the stuff relative to the Super Bowl? Because lots of people be watching, right? Probably one of the most uh, watched events across the world. And there are so many similarities in the home-based business arena or that whole dash concept that we have relative to professional sports or even amateur sports as well. So as I was thinking about correlations behind um, – Football, which is a sport that I loved to play when I was in high school, and network marketing or home-based businesses, there are tons of examples. And I have always found that the discipline, the sacrifice, the long-term thinking, the playing no matter what when you're hurt, for all those guys and maybe even some of the gals on the line, you know the correlations as well. And as we were doing things, I would say to myself, well, you know, I could – probably string together a pretty good couple of calls relative to football, the Super Bowl, and the correlations behind the business behind the business and the game behind the game and all that sort of stuff. And you could probably do the same. But you know what? I've never been to a Super Bowl. Like, I've never played in one, coached in one, been around one. So a lot of the stuff that we would be talking about would be that superficial stuff and the correlations that outsiders could make. And I started to do my Winnie the Pooh thing, think, 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 you know, think, think, think. Who could we we call? And the first person I thought of was Coach Greg. So Coach Greg is the husband of a gal that I have to tell you her name. Her name is Nancy Saporta. She's a distributor with a network marketing company, and we worked with her before. And we love Nancy. I mean, Nancy is one of those people that you just love to love. And she happens to be married to a great gentleman. His name is Greg, who's going to be our coach. Who's going to be our coach on this call relative to the Super Bowl? But that's the neat thing about networking. I was able to go think, 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 think. I'm probably only about three or four phone calls away from anything that we want relative to the world. So I made my first call to Nancy. Nancy, how you doing? What's happening? We kind of caught up a little bit. And then I said, is Greg available? Can he help us with some of the calls this week? And he is here. I got to share with you. Good, solid, hard-working people. I mean, if the world was filled with Greg's and Nancy's, it would be a wonderful place. I mean, we, have, <laughs> we would be filling up our dash like crazy. That's so awesome. I wanted to grab him and just get a conversation started. And for all those people that are listening in, we're going to try a few things differently on this call. Don and I met. We spoke with the guys that are helping us with this radio show, and we're going to experiment with some sound effects 
So we got guys in the background pushing buttons. They're going to see if this, they're going to see if the things that they've been playing around with and having probably way too much fun doing, if you know what I mean, are actually going to work. So we're going to introduce a couple of commercial breaks here as well, and we'll find out real quick. Maybe like Greg would say, maybe if you're coaching the the thing in a play, we're going to try this series, and if it works, we'll keep it going and we'll run it home. And if it doesn't work, we'll drop it and we'll go back to the drawing board. So I promise you. You're going to see that stuff. And we like to do things live, so what, you know, why not? So right. without hearing me anymore, let's talk to uh, Greg Saporta. And Greg's got a really great background, and I'd love for the people to be able to hear uh, about your background, from the, from the sperm and the egg relative to the whole football thing and leading, of course, to why you're perfectly qualified to be talking to people about some of the things that happens to getting to the Super Bowl. So go ahead, Greg. Oh, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Dawn, for having me on. And um, just a little background about me. I've been in the strength and conditioning field for the last, I'd say, 30 years. Um, I graduated from the University of Florida. I was a student assistant in the weight room there. And um, from that point on, I became an assistant. And um, then from that point on, I moved on to University of North Carolina, which I was an assistant under the same boss, uh, Rich Tootin, who is one of the best strength coaches in the country. And uh, he mentored me along the ways, and I kind of stayed with him most of my life. Like, we were together the last 30 years and um, and then went back to University of Florida to coach there again. And then when he went to the Denver Broncos about 18 years ago, he called on me if I wanted to come up and to be an assistant up there. So I did that for the past 17 years. I'm not with them anymore. Um, they just kind of make some coaching changes like anything in life. That's what goes on with different people and different coaches. But I've been, I was blessed to be at that level, and I was so blessed to being not only being two Super Bowls, but win two Super Bowls. And I think the mindset, whether it's a home-based business or whatever anyone does in life, um, I think the biggest thing people need to stay away from, especially when you get to the Super Bowl level, is the distractions that go on. There's a lot of things outside the arena when you get there and before you get there and you have to sort out tickets, and you have relatives calling, and it's just the craziest thing you've ever seen. I mean, I know the first year when we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the championship game, I mean, when we got on the bus, everyone's phone was blowing up because <laughs> they were just so excited, and just the feeling on the plane and stuff that those guys and every team, all 32 teams from training camp on, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. So 32 teams have a shot to win the Super Bowl. And, of course, you know, that's not the case. Only one's going to win it, and right now there's two in it right now. So in that point of view, you know, you get a lot of your practice done the week before the game, and then when you get down there, you settle into the hotel, you have a routine, you have a schedule, and you stay on that schedule, and you go through your practices and you do your very best to keep the distractions out of the way and to stay focused on what you need to do and stuff. So that's kind of how it goes with the preparation of the Super Bowl 
and what it takes. And the biggest thing is, like anything else, you know, you have to be lucky with injuries. You have to play your best when the playoffs come about. And when that happens, you know, a lot of good things go on. Like, look at the Baltimore Ravens. No one expected them to get to where they were, to the kind of season they ended up with. But they just persevered and worked and stayed together. And that's like with anything, whether it's networking, home-based businesses, or just life in general. You know, you have a group of individuals from coaches to players to staff that just stay together and believe. And as long as you do those things, anything's possible. Great stuff. So, you know, we all sometimes hear about Napoleon Hill talking about the mastermind uh, group that right. you're going through there. You hear about the word like desire. You mm-hmm. hear about handling adversity. And right. if there's anything that I think, the thing I love about professional sports, when done the right way, is it really does mirror, it's a mirror image of the way life can be. So it's a lot of the things that people learn on the field, they apply in business, and that's why a lot of people that are football players that learn those skills and apply them to a regular business can be so successful. However, just because a guy makes a lot of money doesn't necessarily guarantee me mean that he's going to be a, a big business person. So, And I'm sure you have great stories or lots of stories where you've seen people that made a lot, lose a lot, and now they're back to square one again. Let's go back to, let's go back to the concept of you when you first got started. Because mm-hmm. in the process of um, someone um, become, finally getting to the Super Bowl, there's a lot of steps that have to happen first. What, right. kind of a, what kind of a person, and let's talk about professional sports like the NFL or whatever to begin with, what kind of person has a tendency of even making it? Like everyone there is a winner of sorts because they already made the rounds to become drafted and things like that, and so many people just never cut it. But right. what, is the, what are some of the key qualities and attributes of someone that does well in professional sports? I think the biggest thing is um, the dedication and the work they put in every day, not once a week or twice a week, but every day of their lives. And they realize that when you get to that level, whatever profession it is, you're still a normal human being of supporting your family, of having kids, of doing the same thing when you get home, of anyone else that's working, whatever job that might be. So in that aspect, you know, they are just like anyone else. They just have a little bit more talent than the local person. But besides that, you know, the biggest thing I learned from college to pro is they're all men up there. They want to be treated with respect, and they'll give you respect as long as you give them the respect. If you don't give them that kind of respect, then, you know, you could run into a problem where they might not pay attention to you too much. But I think when you get to that level, it's such a close family that you see each other every single day for six months straight. I mean, without a day off, like you're seeing each other at some part or another. So you're training, you're working, you're looking at film. And I think the ones that separate the great ones from the Good ones are the ones that prepare like anything in life and just keep moving forward. And then when they get done with their career, they're able to keep that going, that work ethic going to be very successful. Now, there's some people that might stay in the league three or four years 
and they're done. They're broke, they're bankrupt, and they've just given their money to people, advisors that they didn't trust, and then they lose their money. So, you know, it's a very dangerous situation for a lot of young guys that don't know who to turn to or how to use their money the right way. And before they know it, they're investing in these things that they're not sure about, and then they lose their money. So it's not like they spent it on a lot of things. They're just trusting people in that aspect. So I think that's the biggest difference between the veterans that know what they're doing and stay with it compared to the young guys that aren't really sure what to do yet. Now, there are, there are physical challenges to um – I'm, or physical, you know, obviously football is a very big physical sport as well. On the other side of this commercial, if we're going to be able to time this thing halfway decent, on the other side of the commercial, I'd like you to kind of blend the physical qualities and how important you think those are and the mental stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk about that on the other side of this commercial break. So if somebody's going to push a button as we're trying this for the very <laughs> first time, do we have our guy pushing buttons? We do.
Hey, I think we did it. I think we did it. We got it done. I'm giving myself uh, like a really big clap over here. Hey, guys, just just when you're listening in, hey, we're doing this live, and we're doing this for the very first time, and we started this radio show back in December. And we like to show people how they can get started and do some things, and we're leading by example. So for all of you sponsors out there, that's where you'll pay us the big bucks. <laughs> we'll fit your spot right in there. So, so one day, a couple of years from now, Dawn, there'll be a really big sponsor. Like maybe That's we'll right. get like GoDaddy or somebody That's that right. does the Super Bowl every year to do something on that. You know, million-dollar spots on the Super Bowl. So I let me spot. throw a couple of things out there. Since we didn't have a commercial, I'm going to do a commercial. Okay, yes. for all of the people who are out there listening to us right now, or if you're just stopping by and you see a Facebook post or you've seen the blog, let me give you some instructions on how to go ahead and follow us because that's how we're going to get the word out and that's how we're going to get these fantastic sponsors that are going to be falling over themselves to give us a million dollars for a five-second spot like the Super Bowl. Um, if that, that would be really cool. <laughs> so you're going to go to www.the-radio.com. That's our show. Um, Oh, excuse me, that's our blog, okay? So www.the-radio.com is our blog. And from our blog, you can actually go ahead and click right through to the show. You can go ahead and see what's upcoming, and you can see all sorts of cool stuff that we're doing. If you want to just hop right to the show, and I highly recommend you do both of these because you're going to get um, information anytime we go ahead and put up a blog post, and you'll go ahead and get notification when we're going to have our next show. You want to go to www.the-radio.com. DashRadioShow.com. So DashRadioShow.com brings you right to Blog Talk Radio. You click the follow button. You put out a little bit of uh, information for them to be able to keep in touch with you, and you'll know whenever we're going to do a show. And then the DashRadio.com is our blog and all of our information. And you can also find us at Facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. So Facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. And I will give you all the information on how to get to Greg and Nancy at our next commercial break because I know I gave everybody right his face. <laughs> you did it. You Thank did you. it. Well, Thank we you promised. Very much. We promised on the other side of this we were going to talk about the physical nature versus the mental nature of someone becoming a professional athlete. And I'd say if there's, you know, there's lots of sports where. Um, people, the men specifically, I guess, um, train for a really, really, really long, hard time. And if you take a look at whatever they play, four separate quarters of about 15 minutes apiece, you really take a look at that little clock and you just say, how much time was it actually, you know, playing the game? Because there's a lot of breakage even in that hour. But what about the sacrifice and the commitment, um, Coach Greg, that people make relative to getting there? So there's little guys and there's big guys, and the big guys always get the attention. But what kind of physical sacrifices and commitments do some people make? Well, it's it's just, um, you know, the physical part is as demanding as anything in sports because now the NFL, they're getting bigger, faster, stronger by the year compared to when I got into it 15, 16 years ago. So... You not only have to keep up, it's an all-year training regimen. There isn't like, okay, I'm going to take four months off and then I'm going to start training my body. No, you take maybe two weeks off after the season, let your body heal, and then you're right back to starting up and getting your body ready again. And uh, that's the biggest thing. And mentally, it's the thing of every day going in there and doing it. And usually you're not with the team the first two or three months of the year. This is kind of their 
off time, and they usually don't come back to the facility till about April. So it's more or less up to that point for them to keep themselves in decent shape before they come back and have to start their regiment with us. So the biggest thing I see is that, especially during the season, it's a long season. The young guys, especially the rookies, as what we call it, hitting the wall about halfway through the season because when they're at about eight or nine games into the season, plus the preseason of the exhibition games, they've played a whole college season already. So they're like, whoa, my body's not used to this. So you'll have some rookies who play that are playing a lot on a team kind of hit that wall for a week or two and have to kind of mentally get themselves going because 52 other guys are depending on you. And especially if you're a rookie, you know, that's starting all the time, they expect you to contribute every game and you can't use tiredness or fatigue to be a situation where I can't go anymore. You know, you're a professional athlete now. It's a job like anything else. So you're performing your job every single day, whether it's working out, studying film, or whatever it is. So the mental part, as the season gets on, the bumps and bruises get more increased on you, and you're doing more treatment to get ready for the next game. That's where the mental part really takes an effect that you got to push yourself through and get ready for the next week because no one cares if you're healthy enough to play as long as it's not a serious injury. They want you to be out there because they're dependent on you to be out there. You know, So that's, I think, the biggest thing is, like I said, the physical part is tremendously important, but as you get in the season, the wear and tear of the body is going to start breaking down, and you got to stay with doing some kind of workout during the week and doing whatever treatment you need, and then you got to go out and perform at the same level you performed at week one. So you got to keep it going all the way through. And if you are lucky enough to get to the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl, you know, then you got to gear your mind up even more for extra games. And, you know, this is single elimination now, so we lose this game, we're out. So this is even more important. So I think the veterans know what they need to do. It's more the young guys that learn that process. And if they're fortunate to get in the playoffs and if they don't succeed that year, they've learned from it and they know exactly what they need to do the following year to be in better shape, to be mentally stronger, and to know, like, you got a whole organization here behind you. You know, we're in this together. So that's the biggest thing I see with that. Excellent. Um, Some of us are familiar with football, but some of us might not be. So the preparation and the structure, to me, would be somewhat curious. I know this might be boring for you because this is the stuff you did for 17 years and then many years even before then. But, like, on a football team, how many people are there? What's the process by which someone would get there? When does it start? We know when it ends. Right. You know, February <laughs> February third right. this year is when it's over. Right. But when does how does that whole thing work? How many people on a team? How does someone get on the team? Mm-hmm. All of those things are really important because this is what a football team looks like when it's successful when it's being built. Right. The reason why I want to stress that is just like for those people that are listening in on this show when we say this is where the commercial's going to go. Like this is where our sponsor will be. Mm-hmm. 
all of that stuff has to be in place, and we're totally okay with explaining to people that this is what a successful thing looks like when it's being built. So go through that with us if you don't mind. So, you know, how many people on team, a little bit of the structure. Okay, so come April when the draft starts, you have a certain amount of draft picks. And then after that, whoever wasn't drafted, you can sign what they call free agents. So you might have 90 guys at that point on the team. Come when training camp starts, which is usually the end of July, you have to cut it down to 80 players. Each team could only have 80 players come to camp. Then once that happens, you have about three weeks of games, and then you start cutting players. Now, once you start doing that, once preseason's over, right before the first game, you have to have your roster. You're allowed to keep 53 guys on the roster. And then you're also allowed to have eight guys, which are practice squad players. So you still only have 53 on the roster and you have eight on the practice squad. So what the guys on the practice squad do is they practice with the team and do all the workouts with the team. Then once the games start, they're not eligible to play. So they don't suit up or anything like that. Now, if someone gets hurt and is out for the season on the 53-man roster, you could either bring one up from the practice squad or decide maybe to take someone off another person's team's practice squad. So once that happens, then you're back up to the 53-man roster. And you might have different injuries where you have to fill certain slots, you know, like you have guys out for the year and you got to fill those slots. So they're always going to fill it to the 53-man limit. They'll never have 52 or 51 because that's what they're allowed to have. And then they carry that all the way through until the season ends, whether it's the playoff, Super Bowl, and then from that point on, they start the process over again for the next year. Now let's talk about those people those that are competing for that 90-somewhat or that 80-somewhat. How many people compete? Because those, let's face it, we have a very big country. There's mm-hmm. a lot of really talented people out there. The right. people that even try to show up, show up are probably the top of their high school, top of their college, top of their game. They mm-hmm. would probably be superior athletes wherever they were anyway. But let's right. talk about the people that even try. Well, the big thing there is that you'll have, um, you know, every team has their draft boards, their scouting um, departments and all that, and they'll scour hundreds of players across the country from every college, from Division One to Division Two, even Division Three, Division One AA, and then they'll scour. So each team, I would say, would look at, you know, at least I'd say a couple of thousand players in that year. And then once they get to the draft, they'll probably narrow it down to 200 or 300 players they're looking at. And then from that point on, they'll see who they want to draft. They'll see who they want to sign to a free agent. So every team is looking at thousands of athletes. You know, some teams are looking at the same guy, of course, especially if they're going to be high draft picks. But that's kind of how the process works. So there's thousands of guys that go through the process. They'll grade them on what they think. The scouting department will go out, write reports up about these guys. 
They'll bring it back to the coaches. They'll all meet, you know, for a couple of months before the draft to go over every player they're looking at, and then they'll make a decision. They'll narrow the list down. Then once they narrow the list down, they'll decide who they want to draft and who they want to sign as a free agent. Now, this is a. I know this is a hard question to answer because it's so varied, but how do you as a coach – Handle well, how do the players handle it when they find out they're not making the team? And uh, you know, I'm sure the reactions go all across the board. And then, how do you handle that? Because it's pretty tough to tell people, I'm guessing, when they're really giving it everything they got, that they're just not going to be able to make this cut. So, talk to me about that, or talk to us about that. Well, that's yeah, that's I would say that's the toughest thing in this business, any sport, any job, anything, whatever it is, that's the toughest thing because these kids are young guys or maybe they're older veterans, and it's tough because some kind of see the writing on the wall if they're not getting too much playing time during uh, preseason games, and some, like you say, it's a total shock, like they never saw it coming. And so I think... I've seen all kinds of – I've seen guys so upset. I've seen guys take it in stride. I've seen guys kind of be relieved, you know, because maybe it was too much for them. But I think the biggest thing, and, and my boss, which we didn't want to be in that position of telling them to go see so-and-so. We didn't, we didn't want them to look at us like we were the bad guys. We you know, we trained these guys for the last 5 months. So we knew them better than any coach would know them. And we didn't want to be the guys to say, "Oh, you need to see so and so" because they knew once they heard that, like what's with this guy? What an idiot, you know. I thought he, you know, so we made sure we got out of that realm because that wasn't part of our job description. So um you know they took care of that, but like I said, it's a very, it's I hate I hated that day because um, you're just so close to so many of the guys. They work so hard every day, and you know, but you you can't keep everybody, you know, and you got to keep the ones that you think are gonna be the best fit for your team and gonna help you win games every week. So absolutely. That was, that was the bottom line. So absolutely. Well, that's that's interesting. Okay, so then we go through the games, and you said there's 53 players, and naturally, of course, anybody who's designing the football game schedule is going to realize there's going to be some people that get hurt. Let's face it. I guess almost like every play for somebody on that field is almost like going to be in a car crash. Right. So they're big dudes, and they're getting hit in all different kinds of directions multiple times. So there's obviously someone that's going to be hurt, and that's sometimes the lucky break for some, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, for some, uh, especially if you're a young guy, you get hurt and you start hearing the rumblings like, um, oh, I heard it's hard to come back from that injury. And if they have a, if they're weak mentally and let people around them give that kind of chatter, then they're going to have a hard time coming back because um, they might not like anything else in life. If you don't have the belief that you work hard, you'll get back from a torn ACL or a broken collarbone or whatever it might be, then that's half the battle right there, and that's like with anything in life. So, you know, I just look at that 
with the young guys especially that have never been hurt and that do get hurt in the game and it could be a season-ending injury, you know, it's pretty traumatic. And you go through shock and then you're like, oh, my God, I mean, my season's over and I work so hard. How? And it's the same question, how can this happen? Because some injuries aren't even from hitting someone. Some are you plant your leg and it gets stuck in the ground, a cleat, and it tears your ACL and, you know, no one even touched you. So it, injuries can happen any which way, and I think that's the biggest thing, especially with anybody, is the shock of it. Like I saw two a year and a half ago when Adrian Peterson went down against the Redskins and he tore his ACL, and I just saw the, his face, and he was terrified because here's a guy that, He's gotten hurt before, but nothing like this in ACL. And when you're such a powerful running back like he was, is, you don't know how to react. You don't know how it is. But because he is so strong mentally and worked so hard, <laughs> the guy had a better year this year than he did last year. And he's not even fully recovered from his ACL yet. And he runs harder now than he did two years ago, and I just think he's running so angry right now that he's just taking that out on everybody, and that's the difference of people that come back from injuries that mentally and have the belief that they can do it, and they're going to do whatever it takes to succeed, and they'll do it, and look at him now. He rushed for 2,000 yards, um, probably win the MVP of the league this year. Excellent. Now, for those people listening in that might not be familiar with an ACL, what's an ACL relative to a football player? Okay, it's um, it's your uh, outside ligament on right around your kneecap, and then when you turn or get hit on that, that ligament tears, and then you have to reattach those ligaments right in, right along the outside of that knee there, because that's Almost what like- gives you the side to side and be able to cut and all that kind of stuff. I know if that's the right analogy, it's like a little bit like the hinge on a door, like it separates from the door. Exactly, exactly. And if you don't have that stabilized and strengthened and and rehab the right way, you're not going to be able to turn and cut and go side to side and all those things you need to do to play. And obviously the the NFL has grown a lot. So years ago when there were chop blocks and people would purposely go after the guy's knees, and I'm sure that still happens to a certain degree today because it's a sport. Right. People are competitive. But years ago it was probably a lot even worse because there were a lot more dirtiness, if you will, tolerated. It was almost the culture of the game. Right. So, so You know, and, and let me just throw out that there's a lot of parallels that I'm sitting here listening to all the sports talk and you know I do love football my dad was was a he was a college ref and and I've grown up with sports and I absolutely adore the game but you know I'm sitting back here listening to thinking about the parallels of everybody's life and everybody's business and everybody's everything on this like horrendous journey and you get your you get your butt kicked sometimes on the way to the Super Bowl, whatever whatever Super Bowl we're talking about, whatever metaphor we're talking about. And there are times you just have to really sit back and you have to let stuff heal. 
And, you know, sometimes people try to jump back in the game too soon. And other people will ride that they went to the Super Bowl one time 25 years ago, but they never got back in the game, you know. And sometimes it's it's hard to get back in the game. Um, and, and it's just, you know, I'm listening to this, and I know what a torn ACL. Um, I, my massage therapist got one just, just falling when she was riding a bicycle. And really, I mean, it takes a long time to recover from stuff sometimes. So I was just sitting here listening, thinking, you know, talking about recovery time and, and being able to, like, really let yourself heal and get back into a game and then actually go ahead and run for that again, it, it takes a lot of courage and it takes it takes a lot inside a person to get that done. Absolutely. So relative to um, the sport, so here they are. They, they they go through all these hoops, Greg, and as they're building their, you know, their if you will, their game, and they're getting the lucky breaks, and they're working their tail off, and you see all the stuff probably that you're watching on television, and then they get into the playoffs, and it's almost a totally different environment, I'm guessing, and then they get to the Super Bowl. What are the? You touched on some of them initially, but what are some of the other issues that people have to deal with when they're getting to the crucial part of their career, where it's kind of like you know, let's face it. It's um, it's coming, or you know, it's either they're going to be going to the next level, or they're going home, and the rewards or the penalties, if there is one, for not getting to that level. And and if you want to blend any of that stuff into how home-based businesses aren't like that, like you don't have to become this Super Bowl Superman to be able to be successful. Thank gosh we don't have guys that weigh three or 400 pounds tackling mm-hmm. us on a regular basis on our way to our little home office, you know, with our flip-floppy jammies on and our slippers, you know. Right. So talk, talk about when you get to that playoff level and, and some of the things that are the, some of the other challenges that people have to make. Because it's just like in a home-based business. You start off on your own, then all of a sudden you start to have some people that you're responsible for, and it's kind of like a different game. Yeah, you're right, Peter, and that's the biggest thing. And whether it's going to the Super Bowl or being in, and I think Dawn touched on something that I want to go back on a little bit, the mental part of an injury is the biggest thing, whether it's an ACL or something. When you get out there, if you get back out there too soon, you're going to realize it's too soon. And the mental part of it is, okay, can I make a hard cut? Can I get hit by a guy? And then once they get over that hump, then they got their confidence back that they're healed and everything's okay, but they do all go through that initial stage of, am I ready to go back out there and be the same person I was? So also talking about the preparation, yeah, you're right. When it comes to home-based businesses or preparing for a Super Bowl, it's doing the little things right every single day, not doing it once a week, not doing it, once every month, it's doing it every single day. And I feel home-based businesses, whatever it is, is a lot harder than preparing for a Super Bowl because I look at it because most of the time you have to motivate yourself. You have to get up, push yourself, make the call, get your group or people going, and all that stuff. When you get to the Super Bowl, you're already at that level. You're already motivated enough. You don't need to be pushed anymore because you're at that level of, wow, we're in the Super Bowl. I don't need nothing to motivate me. I already know what I need to do. But I look at 
you know, businesses, whatever it is, as long as you do a little bit each day and stay consistent at it, that's that's the biggest key I see. And, you know, when people are preparing for the Super Bowl, it's the same thing. Every day doing something, not taking a week, not taking two weeks off, but staying with it and, you know, to have a passion for it. You know, because if you have a passion for whatever it is, you won't even look at it as a job. You'll just enjoy whatever you're doing. You'll work at it 10 hours, 11 hours a day, and you'll be like, wow, where'd the day go? And that's basically the way sports are, preparing for a Super Bowl. You enjoy what you're doing. You go out there. You enjoy the competition. So I feel like they love the game. And, you know, when I see some guys and they're disheartened or they're mad about something, I said, what are you doing? I said, when you were a little kid, this is what you love to do. This is what you dreamed about doing. And I think when you get people, especially athletes, back into reality, because to be honest, a lot of them are like little kids. They're not that motivated outside of what they do for a living. So you need to inspire them like anything else to get them going because there's a lot of guys, especially young guys in the league, that get down so easily. And when the the biggest thing I see is when the media and all this stuff starts hitting them and they start talking negative about their performance. And it's like a home-based business. If somebody starts talking negative about something you're doing, it's the same thing. You know, you can't let, whether it's the media in sports or people in general, because you can't let them control what you're doing of what you love if you believe what you're doing and you love what you're doing then you're going to be successful so that's how i see it yeah when when i when we do our stuff when we start to talk to people about the qualities and attributes that i see of people being successful tell me how much this kind of falls into um professional sports from your perspective as well the the first thing is i say you know you have to have a moral compass you have to have a moral compass, whether it's religion or whether it's core values or whether it's your belief systems. It's got to be on north. The next one is going to be you have to have a passion for what you do, and the last one is going to be you have to be able to manage the distractions. And what we're going to do is uh, on the other side of this break, and Alex, you're getting ready to push some buttons over here in a second. Uh, now Dawn is saying no, and Alex is no. saying yes. <laughs> you're fine. So, what we're going to do is on the other side of this break, and Alex is going to start our little commercials, we're going to talk about some of the things that football players are going through this week that I would consider to be pretty much a distraction. This isn't the stuff you usually do in week three, if you know what I mean. So, Alex, go ahead, push some buttons, and we're going to be back on the other side finishing this up with Coach Ray.
Greg Supporta and uh, and his lovely wife Nancy. See what they're up to. We can do that on Facebook.com forward slash Denver Coach Greg. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash Denver Coach Greg. And you can do exactly the same thing on LinkedIn. And that would be LinkedIn.com. And I think is it is that the same exact thing, Denver Coach Greg? <laughs> I think it is. So um, that's where you can find them, and uh, and they've got some great stuff up there. And then, of course, if you want to go ahead and check out the post from tonight and be able to find them from there, go ahead to the-radio.com. That's www.the-radio.com. And don't forget to follow us, and that's back to you guys. Perfect. Thanks, Dawn. All right, so we, we ended up the last one talking a little bit about a moral compass, um, I, I guess in a certain regard that would be sportsmanship as well. Then we would talk about um, the, the concept of the second one is they have a passion for what they do, and, and that's kind of interesting to see how that could be sometimes rocked based on their experience level. And then there's managing the distractions. So those are the three things that I think about relative to what someone needs to do to be successful as I've looked at and observed as many successful people as I've looked at and observed. So let's talk about the distractions because, Greg, I'm sure the typical player gets a little bit distracted when the Doritos munching, uh, beer-bellied guy is sitting at you calling you a bum for missing a throw or dropping a catch. Right. or maybe writing the article, or worse yet, posting the blog. So are there right. dis- probably there's more distractions like that than ever before. And my apologies to a Doritos. You can have that second spot at a discounted rate when you <laughs> want to sponsor us. But back to that, Greg, what is the tip? You know, how does that hurt? I mean, people are human beings too, I suppose. Well, I guess the biggest thing I see, especially with social media, whether it's Facebook Twitter or whatever it might be, it gets out there so fast 
like things are getting out there even before a game's even over, and then a player loses a game, upset the way he plays, then he jumps in the prey of getting on Twitter and throwing his two cents in, which I've seen over the years quite a few players get themselves in trouble because they're buying the bait, whether it's a fan, whether it's the media, of jumping in there because they're still so emotional after the game that they, first of all, need to stay away from that for at least a day to cool down. And But, you know, some guys just need to do what they do. But I think the biggest thing, especially Super Bowl week, is once you get there, you know, you have media day, which is for both teams will be tomorrow, and that's a melee at the stadium where you got – reporters all over the place, you know, from foreign countries and everywhere. So that's a uh, that's a couple-hour event there. And then you get back to practice. So it's not bad because it's just the staff, the players, the coaches in the hotel from, like, Sunday or Monday to Thursday. And then come Thursday, all the family members come down. And that's when I've seen – most of the players get more stressed out than ever because they're trying to stay focused on the game, and like anything else, life is there. And because of that, you have kids, you have wives, you have grandparents coming down, and they want to be with you all the time, and they don't realize, like, listen, from Thursday to Sunday, you're kind of on your own, and I'll see you here and there, but it's more or less I need my space to stay focused and you know a lot of players young guys think this is an every year event you know like I think it was Dan Marino you know he got to the Super Bowl one time in his first or second year and he's like oh this is pretty good and then he never made it back so I think the young guys don't realize how hard it takes to get there and I think they let the distractions of being there kind of get to them a little bit because they think, oh, I'll be back next year. This is no big deal. But the veterans realize that I'm staying focused. I'm not letting the media, family, friends, you know, because I don't know if I'll ever be back here again. And that's the truth because, you know, even though we went back to back in 98-99, we still, uh, to this day, Denver hasn't made it back there yet. And that's about that's 13, 14 years, you know, so it's not easy to get there, and once you get there, you really have to stay focused and keep everything, you know, to the outside until after Sunday, and then you have all the time in the world to be with your family, your friends, to enjoy things, but up until that point, you really got to keep yourself focused and not let anything get by you. And, and I would imagine there's a whole bunch of things that happen that the players don't want to really be dealing with relative right. to, you know, who's not picked up at an airport or who's crying or who got right. sick or whatever. And right. they're torn between being the football player on the field right. and just the mommy or the dad. Or the dad and the, right. And, and the, the thing is the sometimes the family members don't understand because they see the victories they see they don't see the day-to-day hard work the hours put in they know they're at their job from 8 to 5 that day but 
they don't realize the sacrifice of what they're, the pressure they're under and stuff. So when they get to the Super Bowl, like, this is great, you know, let's do this. <laughs> they more said, look at it like it's, you know, they're on vacation or something. And that's where they have to, the players really have to separate themselves of what's going on. And that's what they have to do to try to give their best performance they can that day. Now, and that we, is absolutely the same thing with networking. I mean, come on. I don't, right. How long have you and your wife been, been networking? Greg? Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, she's been doing it way longer than me. She's been doing it for at least 20 years. I've been 10. I've been, and, yeah, it's it's the, I think it's the toughest job in the world to do, without a doubt, because she'd be on the phone 12 hours a day just on the phone, on the phone, talking, talking, talking. And, you know, that takes a lot out of you. And you're looking to do that each day to, if you have a team, to keep them motivated, to talk to new people, to get them going. So I feel it's the people think because you're at home, oh, you you know, you work at home, big deal. No. If you want to be successful in it, you have to work at it and you got to put the time in. And I think it's the hard, it's harder than any job I've seen, without a doubt, because you got to push yourself every day. To, because a lot of people wake up, oh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't, you know, I'll do it tomorrow, and you know they want to put it off because I'm at home, I'm not at a job. But you know the ones that are successful stay at it all the time, and it takes a lot out of you. And um, you know to get people going, to build a team to get them going and to kind of lead them. So I think this is way harder than any job I've seen, without a doubt. It is, and, you know, that's the thing. It's not just – but it's extremely rewarding, and it really has so many parallels to coaching a football team, you know, all the way to the Super Bowl. You have to coach a huge team of people, and, and you have people that they get injured. They leave your team. Sometimes they just weren't really ever meant to be there, or, you know, it was another team that should have had them, you know, and, and you do have a lot of – turnover and you've got a lot of work and you got a lot of fatigue and you know you're icing the proverbial elbows <laughs> all the way but it's really one of the most rewarding things that somebody can do is to create and to build a team up to win you know and uh but there's a ton of parallels and and you guys have done it both on and off the field so it's commendable what you've created together well like you said dawn it's just um if you can change people's lives whatever it may be and help improve because i feel people whatever it is are looking for hope they're looking Mm -hmm. for to live a better life to enjoy things a little better and if you can do that with people and give them hope and help them and do whatever you can then that's the most rewarding thing i see whether it's winning super bowls or getting there or networking or whatever it may be you know, that's how I look at it. I totally and completely agree. And it's really been a pleasure to have you tonight. And um, maybe we can convince you to bring that lovely lady of yours on one of these evenings. <laughs> she could tell the stories. But, um, you know, I think that this has just been a really fantastic show. And, I mean, I, I know that you said you would come back for us, Greg, so we're going to hold you to that. Can we, can we have some more of you tomorrow evening? Sure, sure, whatever awesome. I can do to help. 
you know. Awesome. Well, I mean, you're a true inspiration, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are working full-time jobs, maybe they're working two, and they're looking at their life and they want something more, but it's exhausting, you know, and people don't realize, you know, I've, I've had a group that I've been mentoring for a while, and you know, they think, okay, well, I'm working my own business, and it's, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I want a four-day work week. I wanted this, I wanted that. People don't realize that when you start your own business, most people are working one full-time job, maybe two full-time jobs. They're they're working around the clock. They're exhausted. They've got two hours a day, and they're going to try to pick something that can get them excited enough to give up the two hours in front of the TV or playing a game or doing homework with the kids or whatever it might be, and they're going to go ahead and they're going to dedicate it to creating a better life for their family or for themselves. So it, it takes a lot of, t- of a lot of true dedication and a lot of real you know, tenacity and really strong reasons to create a business on top of whatever it is you're doing so that you can go ahead and provide for your family while you do it. So to all of the people out there who are thinking about it, to all the people out there who are thinking about quitting today because you're just so tired, don't give up. There's a lot of reasons to keep going and doing what you're doing and to give up that extra time so that you can have liberty in your life. And uh, that's what we're here and that's what we're all about. So hopefully we brought a little bit more hope and a little bit more uh, juice, shall we say, to you today. And uh, we'll be back here tomorrow night with Greg and uh, and Peter and myself with just another story or two to go ahead and fill your evening on your way to the Super Bowl. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks, Greg, and thank you, Peter. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me, everybody. <laughs> All right, guys. Take Good care. Night. Bye-bye. Make the switch to electronics.